Hey, you're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. Good morning. How y'all doing? You look cuter in 2020 than you did last year, so come on. Brand new year, brand new decade. Welcome to the Roaring Twenties. What is going to happen? I am so excited, and uh, I'm just, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the new decade. I think God's got a lot uh, just for our church in store, a, a lot for our family in store, and, and I'm excited. Guys, and listen, man, we are, we are launching a Spanish experience this year. That is going to be a big deal for us. Um, you know, our, our church is doing really well, but I want to break the 100 barrier this year. Come on. Like, who's with me on that one? Like, right now, we've got a little over 50 leaders running about 70, 80 people. I want to bust the 100 barrier this year. I'm believing God for a few hundred people right here at this campus before we launch our second campus, okay? And so I'm believing God for a few hundred people to impact a few thousand people that will go on to impact northern Fort Lauderdale and Oakland Park. Oh, come on. Can you just believe with me? That's where we're wanting to run. That's where we're wanting to go. And I'm like, Jesus, let this be our year. We bust that hundred barrier. It's a hard one to break, but we're going to break it. Okay. Somehow, some way we're going to break it. And, and I'm just like, let's bust this thing. Let's get the Spanish experience up and then we'll keep rolling and then we'll launch a second campus. And what I saw in my heart from the very beginning is we're just going to spread across South Florida like a web and just build super healthy, culturally based ministries. Amen. And I believe churches for a build up, not a beat down. And I want it to be uplifting. That's why we call it Lift Church. And so, anyway, just five minutes of vision on that one. But, but I'm excited for this year. I think God's got a lot of good things in store. And so get your faith up. Get your expectancy up. If your expectancy has gotten low, bring it up. Bring your hope up. Bring your faith up. Anything is still possible with God. God only needs one week to change your entire life. He only needs one day, one month. Everything can turn in 90 days. Amen. So I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if the bills are stacking a little bit, but God can turn everything around in 2020. So I want us to have the best start of this year that we've ever had to any year. I want us to have the best start of any decade we've ever had. And so all, all month long, is, is, we go into Fresh Start, we're bringing in a psychologist and counselor. We're going to talk about mental health. How many of you think the church should talk more about mental health? I do. So we're going to talk about mental health and how to have just, just a great mental and emotional life. We're bringing in next week my sister who's a doctor, preventative care. We're going to Skype her in all the way from Indiana. We're going to talk about nutrition, diet, exercise, how that affects sometimes depression, anxiety, and stress. And so we're looking forward to that one. Then I'm bringing in a good friend of mine who travels all over America. And uh, we're going to talk about financial health. Because some of you, God bless your little souls, you keep making the same dumb financial mistakes and you're just going from paycheck to paycheck, you're all stressed out. I want that to stop for you. Come on, I, I, want, I want what the Bible says. The Bible says that we should have more than enough to give, right, to those who have need, right? And, and I would even define biblical prosperity as always having more than enough, that, that I'm not stressed out, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, I'm not always in a sense of going under, but, but God has increased me so that I am blessed to be a blessing, you know, you can't bless anybody else unless you've been blessed, right? You can't give unless you've got something to, to give. And so I want to help us, like, like biblically and just practically, how do we set up our decade? Where do we financially want to be in five years? Where do we want to be by 2030? We want to be in a good place. So I want to set us on that track and how are we going to get there? So it's going to be a great, a great month, great series. But today we're, we're going to take our, our first Sunday and we're going to talk about spiritual health. We're going to talk about how are we healthy spiritually. And, and I don't know of any other way to start this than to preach on forgiveness. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about forgiveness 
this morning, okay? Like, like, I don't know any other better way to start than on the message of forgiveness, because you cannot be healthy spiritually locked in unforgiveness. It just cannot happen. And I'm willing to bet that you were hurt sometime in the last 10 years, right? Like, we just wrapped up a decade, y'all. Even if you were hurt just one time a year for the last 10 years, that's 10 hurts on your soul. Some of you are like, oh, man, it was a lot more than that. What if, what if you were hurt maybe just 10 times each year? That's 100 pains on your soul in the last decade. See, it's amazing how this adds up so fast. And so let's talk about forgiveness today because how can we run for our future like just literally loaded down with the pain of the past. And the thing is, God doesn't want us so loaded down with pain from the past that we don't have the strength, the joy, the energy, the zeal to run for our future. The Bible says in Luke 17, verses 1 through 4, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can just check out the Bible in the sky behind me. It'll let you know. But Luke 17, Jesus is talking. He says, Then he said to his disciples or his followers, It is impossible that no offenses would come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and thrown into the sea. In other words, it's better for this person to drown themselves with a stone and a rope than to offend one of these little ones. He says, take heed. In other words, like pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you will forgive him. Jesus is saying, it is impossible that offenses won't come. In other words, they are going to come. I was talking to Alyssa this week, and I said, babe, can you give me an example of when you and I had to forgive each other and what we, I could talk about it, you know? And she looked at me and she's like, yeah, like every day. And I was like, wow, it's that bad. Like, it's okay, got some work to do on myself in 2020. And, and, uh, and I just thought it was kind of comical because I'm like, man, it's so true. Like, like you got to forgive people consistently and often and frequently. Like, like we just consistently make mistakes as people. Like you let yourself down, you let the person you love down, you let your family down or whatever. We just get in our flesh, we get in a funk, we get tired and cranky and we're, we're all like toddlers. As I watch my son, anytime he has too much sugar, anytime he gets tired, anytime he doesn't get what he wants, he breaks down. And that's us as adults. We never actually grow up, right? Like we just learn to control it a little bit, but, it, but then when we're at home, we just, we let it out. And so, you know, Jesus is saying, man, offenses are gonna come. It is impossible that offenses are not going to come. They're going to come. And, and so what, what do we do with that? Um, I, I want to give a shout out to my, my shoes here this morning. And uh, I got a few compliments already on these kicks. And, and here's, here's why. I'm not just trying to make it on preachers and sneakers. But, but, but I had, I had a, a church, Church by the Glades and Pastor David Hughes have been phenomenal friends of our church from the very, very beginning. They've just been a, a big blessing to us. At Christmas time, they bought me these shoes. Can you believe that they bought me these shoes? They gave our church a big fat check, and they said, "We just want you guys to be encouraged." Can we just thank Church by the Glades really quick and clap for them and thank God for the kingdom of God and churches that believe in other churches and what a beautiful spirit that is. 
And I got these shoes, and man, I, I like wanted to tear up a little bit. Michelle was, was around, we were working on some stuff, and, and the team, and, and I just thought, man, I got a little emotional, just because it, it meant so much. And I've, I've been like into shoes since I was in the eighth grade. Like, I mean, I just love kicks. I, I'm, I'm into shoes. I, I love to buy new shoes. I love the smell of a new shoe. Anybody with me? Like, you just love, like, thank you, thank you. Like, I'm not quite, like, you know, sneaker con level, but I'm getting worse, like, as the years go by. And, and I just love shoes. And so when they gave me these shoes, I was like, man, you talk about love language, man. Like, I appreciate, I appreciate these kicks. And, and I was like, I'm going to wear them, you know, in the first of the year and, and thank the church. And so it was a, it was a blessing. Uh, but, but one of the things I cannot stand in life is when I scuff my new shoes. I hate that. You, you ever get a new pair of kicks on and somebody like steps on you and you're like, get off my shoes. Like they just like slapped your mama. You know what I'm saying? Like you're just, get off my shoes, bro. And, or, or you like nick something, right? Like I was nervous just doing that. Like I was like, I don't want to, like, like, or you hit the door and, and, and you're just like, ugh. No one intends to scuff their shoes, do they? No one intends to scuff their shoes. No one intends to get their soul hurt either, do they? No one says, yo, hurt me. Give me more pain. Make life more difficult for me. Jesus, surround me by all the miserable people. God, give me the insecure boss. Nobody prays those kinds of prayers. Nobody wants their shoes to get scuffed. Nobody wants their soul to get scuffed. Nobody likes that. I don't. I want all the people around me to love me. I'm a three on the Enneagram. I just want everybody to like me. I don't like it when relationships get scuffy. But they do. A few of you enjoy conflict. Most of us don't. A few of you eights out there are like, give me the conflict. You know? You guys, you sinners. No, I'm kidding. Like, but... But most of us are like, I don't want conflict. I, I, I want to get along. I, I want my clean kicks. I, I, I don't like the scuffs of life. Here's the thing is, is, is scuffed up shoes over time, they kind of look a little worn and a little trashy, don't they? And a scuffed up soul gets tired. It, it gets a little worn. It gets, it gets a little trashy. It just gets a little cynical and a little pessimistic and kind of closed off. It's just scuffed up. I like this quote by Gregory Popkuk, and he says, bitterness is unforgiveness fermented. Bitterness is unforgiveness fermented. My mom always said, bitterness is the poison you drink, hoping it harms the other person. It's just our souls get scuffed with pain, and ah, bitterness sets in, and the Greek word is scandalon. I, I love this about a fence, and it's literally to set a trap, like you would set a trap for an animal. And, man, the enemy of our soul literally sets traps for us to, to capture our soul in offense and bitterness and pain and shame and guilt so we don't have the joy we need to run at the new year. Psychologist Stephen Diamond says, bitterness is a chronic and pervasive state of smoldering resentment. Wow. Smoldering resentment. You know, when people scuff your soul when they hurt you and they, when they give you pain, it, it's not that your anger isn't even justified, right? Like, like, like an injustice has been done, you're hurt, you're in pain, 
they, they did wrong. Maybe they didn't mean to do it. Maybe they did mean to do it, you know, and, and, and it causes you pain. And, and it's righteous. It's, it's anger. It, it, it makes you angry. But if you, if you hold on to that anger and you never forgive that person, bitterness begins to swell. And all of a sudden now, my mind is consumed, my heart is consumed, and I'm just bitter. Now I'm living in anger. You know, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. There is a righteous anger. I think God is mad at sex slavery. I think God is mad at racism. I I think God is mad at people that force other people in extreme poverty. I think God is angry about that. But God's not in sin. I think it's okay to be angry but not in sin. But when we cross the line and we're consumed with bitterness, man, now it's eating my life up. Now I'm letting a pain live on in my heart way past what it should. You know, years ago I had a family member really hurt me, said some things about me, said some things to me. They were offensive. And it was untrue, but I just couldn't get them to see it or whatever. And, you know, narrative is everything. Hello, if you're over 25, you know narrative is everything. And, and so it's like, okay, you know, and, and, and it hurt. And, and, and I was angry about it. But my anger didn't last days. Now it started lasting weeks, and it started lasting months. Seven months in, I'm still mad at this person. And I remember one morning I was in the shower. This is back when we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was shampooing my hair. Hadn't even had my coffee or anything yet, and I'm shampooing my hair, and I'm playing the argument over. Seven months later, I'm playing the argument over as if it happened yesterday. Some of you are really quick-witted. You know, that's not me. I always think of the good stuff afterwards. And so in my mind, I'm like, I should have said that, right? Like, I should have done this, and I should have said that, and then I would have won. And, and, and I'm just mad at myself for not saying what I, I should have said, and, and again, I always think, I, I always win arguments in my mind later. <laughs> I don't know anybody else like me, just me. Okay, that's awkward. And so, and so I'm like, and I'm, I'm angry. Like, I'm actually getting angry while I'm shampooing my hair, and, and I'm re, seven months later, I'm reliving it, and I remember the Lord that morning just literally just hit my heart, and he said, son, bitterness is knocking on the door of your heart. You are bitter. You're not angry anymore. You're not justified anymore. You are living in unforgiveness. You are bitter. And I remember that morning that praying for this person. You know the Bible actually says to pray for those who hurt you, bless those who curse you and misuse you. Isn't that like the most miserable scripture ever? Like, come on. Like, there are times Jesus says things that you're like, no, no, I like the blessing part, Jesus, but this verse, like, I'm just going to skip this chapter. Like, I could do without this one. No, no. Listen, man, forgiveness is for you. In fact, I think we're most like God when we're giving and when we're forgiving. Forgiveness doesn't just set the other person free. Forgiveness sets you free. Some of you, you're so locked, your fist is so closed over bitterness. And God's like, man, if I could just get you to open your hand, not only can we let the bitterness go, but then I could bring the joy and the peace and the blessing and the instruction, come on somebody, into your life that you need for this next decade if I could just get you to let go and open your hand. You know, when we live like this, not only do bad things get to go, but good things get to come. But when I close my fists and anger and bitterness, man, I close. It's like, it's like I close myself over the infection. 
and now the infection's on the inside, and I just won't let it go. And I remember that moment God started dealing with me, started talking to me right there in the shower. And he's like, I want you to pray for this person. I want you to bless this person. And I'm telling you, the first few sentences out of my mouth, God bless. Like it was so hard to bless this person and, and get that out of my mouth to forgive them. But after about three or four weeks of doing that, I'm free. Have I ever gotten an apology? No. Will I ever? Probably not. Is our relationship restored a little bit? Better. It's better. You know, sometimes in life you're going to have to forgive without the apology. In fact, I would say nine out of ten times you're probably not going to get an apology. Is an apology deserved? Absolutely. Are you going to get it? Probably not. <laughs> Why? Because that's how people are. That's how people are. But, but Jesus never said forgive them after they've earned it. Right? Just forgive them. Be free. Stephen Diamond, the psychologist, goes on to say, bitterness left unchecked, here's some things that it does. It prolongs our mental and emotional pain. It can lead to depression and anxiety. It can lead us to vengeful acts, even put us further at risk of being hurt again and locking us in an endless cycle of getting even. Wow. Isn't it so hard to let go? Come on, like once you've been hurt a few times, isn't it so hard not to want to pick the spear back up and throw it back at him again? I think, I think one of the hardest things in life is to let go, forgive, and walk away. That's in my nature when an injustice happens, like it just pings every justice meter on the inside of me. I'm like, I want justice, right? Like it's just I want to make it right. I want to figure it out. I want to talk about it. I want to resolve it, you know, or I want to say at least my point. I want to argue back. And one of the lessons I've had to learn in, in the last decade for me is, like, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to walk away and let God defend me, and I'm just not going to worry about it. And that's hard for my personality. And I've just had to learn that again and again. Otherwise, you get stuck in a cycle. He says it prevents you from experiencing the joys of a full and present life versus dwelling in a self-righteous state of past wrongs. Wow, it's good. Create a sense of paranoid thinking or pessimism against people. Interfere with our healthy relationships. It robs us of energy. It affects our physical health and can cause us to see ourselves as a continual victim, which is probably one of the most dangerous things. It messes with our identity. Now, a few years ago, I discovered this amazing little trick called the magic eraser. Anybody know about these things? This is not a paid promotion for magic erasers, but it should be. I ought, to, I ought to get some money. Dude, this is Mr. Clean. He's the bald guy that always wears white. These things are magic. They really are. And I discovered a few years ago that if you dip them in water and you take your kicks that get scuffed and you begin to rub your shoe, they look brand new again. And somehow all the dirt ends up on the eraser, and the shoe looks fresh, and it looks clean. So I picked my running shoes, and they've seen a little bit of action. And so they, they're a little dirty. They, they've been scuffed a little bit. You ever run and actually hit your own feet? Man, I always feel like a dork when I do that, but I, but I do that a lot. And, and it's like you scuff your own shoes. And, and so if I race, all of a sudden I, I become fresh again. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah that it says, though your sins are like red, like scarlet, if you come to me, I'm going to make them white as wool. 
In other words, man, when you come to Christ, God's like, man, all the messed up, scuffy stuff, I'm going to clean and I'm going to wash you and make you completely fresh, completely new. What a powerful thought that our sins are, are forgiven like that. And that this morning, God isn't trying to scuff my soul. He's trying to scrub my soul. He's trying to get me fresh. He's trying to get me clean. He's trying to make me brand new again as if I've never, ever been hurt or lived hurt. He's just coming and he's scrubbing my soul. The thing about forgiveness is when I choose to forgive somebody, I just scrub off what they did to me. That doesn't justify what they did. It just simply says what Jesus has done for me means more to me than what you've done to me. And I'm going to live my life fresh. I'm going to live my life clean. I'm going to act like a new pair of kicks. I'm going to smell good. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have energy. I'm, I'm going to approach life with, with a spiritual innocence and love. And, and I'm just going to go for it. You know, I think bitterness is almost like a bad cologne, right? Like you put it on or a bad perfume, like a cheap perfume, and, and then people like around you are like, I didn't really enjoy that. You know, like you leave and it's like, oh, glad they're gone. That's what bitterness and unforgiveness in your soul is. It just leaves a funky aura around you. God hasn't called us to live funky. He's called us to live fresh. He wants us to be clean. He wants to scrub our souls this morning. You know, I, I, I think for me that, that one of the hardest things to do is, is, is when I, to, to do it, to drop it, to let it go and just say, God, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. But the moment I get there, the, the moment I'm like, God, I've forgiven, I've released, I've let go, I've said my prayers. When that person comes up to me, I just bless them, pray for them, forgive them, and, and act as if, as if they're amazing. That's how you know if you've forgiven somebody, right, is when you can think about them and nothing but love comes up for them. And if you're not there yet, you haven't quite gotten all the way to forgiveness. Why? Because how does God forgive us? It, it's beautiful. It's clean. It's free. He's not petty, right? Like when he forgives us, he lets it go. He lets us come close to him again. He's not holding it anymore. He's not brushing the dirt under the rug. He's, he's scrubbing it. He's washing it. It's clean. It's gone. And that's, that's it. It's, it's new. It's brand new. It's fresh. It's clean. And there it is. I know that when I've done the process of forgiveness, and here's the thing, forgiveness is not an emotion, it's an action. It's spiritual, it's a decision, okay? Don't wait to before you feel like forgiving somebody to actually forgive somebody. Forgive them, and then the feelings will come. But once you do that, all that freshness and all that cleanness, oh, it just begins to take over your soul, and you're like, I'm, I'm free again. I love this. Lewis Smead says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Whoa. So, talk bad about my church on Instagram? Okay. Put my family down? Okay. Misjudge me without having a conversation with me? Okay. Come on, somebody. Like, let's, you know, dump me? Okay. Be petty at Christmas? Okay. Whatever it is, right, just scrub it off. God, I'm not going to be a prisoner of people. How terrible are the chains of being a prisoner to someone else's opinions? Oh, how terrible to live under someone else's expectations and misjudgments of you. Scrub it off. Know who you are in Christ. 
live above inferior opinions, and enjoy your own life. You know, one of the hardest things is for us is just live free. The Bible says it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. But when you get to freedom, you're like, why do I ever want to go back under bondage again? I'm never designed to live under anybody else's opinion of me, just what God has said. I'm going to live free. Colossians 3, 12, 14. Just a few more things we're going to wind down. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you have any grievance against anyone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. Martin, in a few seconds, if you could bring up my fence illustration for me. That would help me out. That would be amazing here this morning. How, how does God forgive us? He, he, he forgives us in total, right? Why, why does God forgive us? God forgives us so he can be close to us, right? Why does my wife forgive me so we can maintain closeness in relationship? Why do I forgive my wife so we can maintain closeness in relationship? Why is it important to let, you can bring it out now, boss. Why is it important to let things go so we can go on loving people? If we don't forgive, we become so locked in our own pessimism, our own negativity, and we start projecting on everybody else. This is why people are like, oh, I hate pastors. Why? Because one pastor hurt them, and now they project it on all pastors. Or people say, oh, I hate the church. Why? Because that church judged me, and now they hate all churches. They're projecting their pain on everybody. When, see, when you and I never forgive, we project what we go through on everyone. And that's really unfair. It's illogical, but it's emotional, and we do it all the time. Come on, this is where, this is where prejudices come from, right? I mean, it was just, so what happens to us is when we get hurt by somebody, we're like, ooh, I didn't like that. And what happens is we begin to build our own fence, right? And, and we build and construct a fence, and we put it around us. And we say, no one is ever going to hurt me like that again. And so we do life walking around like this. And we are proud of our fences that we have built and our, our structures to keep people away. Because we never want to be hurt like that again. You had a boy hurt you in the eighth grade. Now all men are outside of this fence. Right? You have, you have a girl that you fell in love with that betrayed you, Right? Ended up kissing your friend. That happened to me one time. That's it, all women on the outside of my fence. Right? Or family or in marriage. Right? This is how spouses begin to separate. Fences. Now you can't be with me. you got to be at a distance from me. Right? Other interpersonal relationships. And we begin to keep people at a distance. Here, here's the tragedy of this. If we always hold our fence up, now you can no longer have a relationship with me, but you're in a relationship with my fence. Wow. To drop an offense often means to drop a fence. And you're saying, now the pain and the thing that I've built, I'm going to drop it. And now you don't have to experience my fence, you can experience me. Can I, can I tell you this if you're married today? Your spouse doesn't need your fence. Your spouse needs you. Oh, come on. Your spouse doesn't need your prejudices and your fences and all your structures that you've built up in your heart over the years. Your spouse needs you. 
If you've got good interpersonal relationships, the people who genuinely love you, I mean, yes, there are mean, nasty people on the earth that we need a boundary with. But, man, if you've got people that love you, they don't need your fence. They need you. And often we make the people that are closest to us pay the most. We bleed on people that never cut us. We want someone else to pay the price because of somebody else's pain that was put on us. And we build our fences and, and, we, and we live like this and we're like, that's it, I'm, I'm closing myself off. This morning, as we approach a new year, as we approach a new decade, what if we dropped the offense? What if you and I said, you know what, I don't need my fence because the God who's on the inside of me is big enough to cover every pain, every hurt, and every disappointment. I mean, what is your picket fence going to do anyway, really? I believe that you and I serve a God who's big enough that he can heal me, he can restore me, right? It doesn't matter. Yes, yes, you were hurt, but you weren't halted. Come on, now I'm preaching, okay? Yes, you went through some pain, but it doesn't steal your promises, right? Yes, they failed you, but it doesn't keep you from your future. What if we let go of those fences, drop the offense, and said, my God's big enough in me to defend me, heal me, set me up, restore me. I don't need all the man-made things I've built to keep people out. And yes, as you interact with people, yes, some are like, hey, God bless you from a distance, you know? Like, but, but listen, if you and I are receiving love from above, and then we're releasing that love on people, it doesn't matter if they're giving love back or not because they're not the source of my love anyway. He's the source of my love. And I don't need offense with him. I don't need offense with the people that love me. It's just I'm receiving and I'm giving. And if some don't give it back, that's okay. You're still cute. I'm still taking and drinking love. This morning, open up some of you. Receive love. Drop the fences from the last 10 years and just start loving on people. People need you. They don't need your fence. They need you. The world needs you. When are you going to come alive? It happens when you drop your fence. Just stay with me really quick. We're going to forgive some people and have the best decade of our lives. Thanks for listening to City Lift Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park. You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at citylift.church.